Welcome to the first episode of CLE Food Stories, a project of the Real Cleveland Food Experience. This is your host, Pat Bennett. Joining me today is my producer, Shana, and we'll be talking about the Taste of Black Cleveland event that we attended this past Monday night. Welcome, Shana. Hello. Happy to have you with me. I'm always happy to be here with you. And thank you for inviting me to the event, which honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect. And when you asked me to go about a month ago, I was excited. And then you reminded me, you said, you're still going with me, right? And I said, of course I am. But when I walked into the old queue and I saw the building, it was exciting. I smelled wonderful food. I saw all of the Cleveland who's who. And then we sort of took on the event by storm. What was your first impression when you saw the chefs that were there? So... You know, one thing before we start, I think we should unpack what the event was. Ah, like, ah. So it was a, an event for, I don't know, it was the NAACP put it together. Yep, it was a partnership between the NAACP, the Real Black Friday, the Cavs, Aramark, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and it was 20 black chefs. Right. Yes. So, um, so I was, I've been there before. I didn't know what to expect. So I've always enjoyed the event. Mm-hmm. But with the renovations from the queue to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, it, it, it's, it stepped its game up almost. Like I ah. said, the event grew up. Yes. And um, it's one of my favorites. I've, I've always enjoyed it. I support it. I love what the event is. But it was like the must be at this year, it seemed like. And you mentioned to me that in previous years it was done as a lunch, mm-hmm. and this year it was done in the evening, and that to me brought out probably a lot more people. Mm-hmm. How many people did they? I thought they said like the winning vote had like seven hundred something. Did you hear that number? Uh, somewhere around there. It was pretty well attended, and everywhere that you and I went, we saw people in sort of pockets and gathering, mm-hmm. and certain tables got a little bit more attention. The chefs were there. Uh, highlighting some of their signature dishes, and it was not just restaurants, but it was caterers, mm-hmm. it was food trucks, and then the most interesting thing were the mixologists. Right. Did you see the desserts? Did you sample I the desserts? I did see some of the desserts. Loved the banana pudding, which is one of my all-time favorite desserts, which was magnolia. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get a chance to taste a lot of the food because I was working. We were working together, which was very fun. You and I... Um, we met up, and then we took each of the room, the, the places in the room, and then we met together, and we compared notes, and it was really wonderful for me because many of these businesses I did not know, mm-hmm. and being a relatively new Clevelander, having been here about eight years, it was nice for me to see some other new businesses, and the food looked absolutely delicious, and based on what I observed, people seemed to love this event. Yeah, I think, you know, it sold out at the last minute. Ah. So at Black Girl and CLE, we did a lot of the, we did some of the social media. We volunteered to help and say, how can we support? Mm -hmm. And so I know um, after talking to one of the chefs, he was like, this should be huge. More people should be coming out. Like, why isn't the the buzz going? And so I'm like, let me just see if we can help create the buzz because we've been there a couple times. And I think the night before I finally saw that it was sold out. Yes, I noticed that. And then after, once we got to the event, I was hearing people say, people are still asking to get in. Yes. Like, no tickets at the door. That's right. Which I think is a very, it, it happens a lot. Like, we do that a lot. I'll just wait till the last minute and show, I don't know why you want to pay at the door. Yeah. Buy your ticket early. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you t- that was truly a, you missed out. 
Yeah, you did. I thought it was a must-attend event. And after we were there for a few hours, I really can't wait to go back next year. Nice. Yeah, it was um, an upbeat event. The presentation was terrific. People were so proud of all the food that they do there. Um, they were giving each other high fives. People were hugging each other. Uh, people who maybe they see each other infrequently, but they seem to gather at this event. And they gathered over food. Food is really important in this city. Um it sort of has an underground, if you will, and some of the people that were there, in my mind, are not the famous faces that we see all the time, especially the caterers, because they're doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes work, and some of them have reached out to me after the event saying how happy they were that I took their photos and that I gave them a little bit of get-to-know-me-a-little-bit-more, so I was happy about that. Did you find some of that too? I did. And, you know, I did an Instagram live um, during the event. And so people mm -hmm. that weren't there were like, hey, go check out my friend's business. So they were, you know, supporting from afar. Go check out Magnolia. Go check right. out this. Right. But I thought especially for the caterers, yes. it's a great time to find them. Because, you know, even when I do events, I'm like, I need someone to do the event. And there's not too many caterers we think of. Yes. Or yes. we don't know if you are a caterer or mm -hmm. if you're just, if you're doing something else. Are you a bar? Right. Which, like, and you cater? I just didn't know. And so it was a great time to say, like, hey, if I'm going to need someone for a venue or a birthday party, like, yeah. to know that I have options out there. Yeah. Weddings. It, it would be stuff. nice to have a directory of sorts that would include businesses like that mm -hmm. that were there. And certainly they would love the press. Yep. Um, so for businesses that may be have attended the event that would love to be included in a directory of that type, we'll ask you to tune in and get in contact. We already have it set up. Well, that's of course you do. So um, for Tell Black History more. Month at yes. Black Girl and CLE, and we'll put the link on our website, um, the CLE Food Experience. Okay. It's a, we just want to find businesses. Mm -hmm. So I know there's there's two things happening right now trying to find black businesses. So one is an actual kind of like book, like the, the old black pages back in the day. Yes, yes. And um, people spend, I think it's like $99 to be fully listed. Okay. Um, for ours, it's just create the list and we just put it out there. Okay. Because ultimately, you know, before you spend the $99, I get it's marketing, but it's the right thing to do because there's people that are looking. Right. And even when I'm looking for an event, you know, the only thing that we can do is go to Facebook and say, does anybody know a chef that can do this or a right, caterer? Right, right. Very informal. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And if I don't have the book or I don't have the money for the book or or, how are the, or when the book's printed, because I don't know when the book's coming out, but in the meantime, there's a catch-all where people fill out the form. They can offer to upgrade and pay if they want to have something else. But really, you know, that's kind of the, the beauty of Black Girl and CLE. And even what we're doing here is it's to showcase and shout out businesses because it's the right thing to do. It is. And I think that for a city like Cleveland that has a diverse population, the untold stories, which is some of what we'll be unpacking over the next few episodes, gives people an opportunity to learn more, share more, and to tell us their experiences. And we're not sugarcoating any of those experiences. We want people who would like to tell us, talk to us, be transparent about what they feel especially as it relates to food. Shane and I have spent many hours comparing notes about how we grew up, what food meant to us, uh, the things that she experienced, the things that I experienced in New York, growing up in St. Albans, New York, and having a large farm, and then coming to Cleveland and seeing that I could actually get fresh food close by to where I live in Cleveland. For a lot of people, they did have backyard gardens. 
And for many of the people that I saw there, I know that their roots included some of that. They may have grown up in Cleveland, but their grandma or sister or aunt or someone came from another part mm-hmm. of the country and brought those same practices here. So everyone had tomatoes. They had collard greens growing up. Pole beans were big in my house. My mother grew up on a farm in North Carolina. And not just for holidays either. Oh, no, no. She had collard greens that were harvested in the winter, and she always felt that the longer they stayed in the ground over the winter, the sweeter they were, and she was absolutely right. But I also grew up with a grape arbor, peach tree, pear tree, and she had some of the most beautiful flowers in the neighborhood. So many of the gardens here, as I drive down the streets, I see the same things. And actually, some of the flowers that were at the event were really pretty and highlighted the food and complimented it. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the chefs used flowers in their drink, and I loved that. The little tiny violets, it was just such a pretty drink. Because someone asked me when they were handing me the drink, which flower did I want? Oh, my. And in my mind, it it didn't matter. Like, I wanted to taste the drink, but then I realized at that moment, like, it, it made the display look just that much different. They were stunning, and the drink actually was very, very mm-hmm. good, and I actually posted up some pictures on my own okay. Instagram page, and I invite people to do that as well. Yep. And we'll Either post them on our website, too. On our website, and to invite you to follow Black Girl CLE mm-hmm. and to follow Pat's Granola, uh, but also share with us your experience if you went to the event. We'd like to hear what your experience was. One of the most... Um, interesting and the delicious thing I tasted was the cheesesteak from Capos and he insisted that we try it in fact you and I shared one it was absolutely sumptuous and you have to eat it the right way oh. you got on me for having a fork remember I did in fact I passed you a fork and you just looked at me and then he said why are you eating it with a fork Shana <laughs> <Just> <laughs> in. well because we were working right and so it was delicious and so even when just the pride he takes in his food. Oh. Um, so I've been to his, his restaurant, and I'll order, you know, the, the cheesesteak, the fries, the meal, and the pop. And he has grape pop. So Does he? Yes. He'll oh. pop you one. I'm like, ooh, grape or orange. Oh. Like, that is, like, this black girl's heaven right there. It takes me back to being a kid. You know, that's oh, what we it's had. Nos- it's nostalgia. Right. True and so nostalgia. at that point, I was like, ooh, uh, I guess I'll go grape. Mm. And I've told people about that. And they're like, did you pick the grape, though? And I'm like, I did pick the grape. Oh. And so I had the pop. And he serves, the, f- the food comes out, and, you know, just out of convenience, I get the bag with the food in it, and I put the pop can in the bag, because I'm getting ready to walk out the door. Yes. And he stops, and he goes, don't have that pop wrecking my sandwich. <laughs> get that pop out of there. You know, and it just, like, because that sandwich is still his sandwich. It like, is his sandwich, at that absolutely. Moment. Like, how dare you disrespect, I think he said, how are you, you going to disrespect my sandwich He was, putting that pop in there? He was so proud of that sandwich, and it was absolutely delicious. But there was lots of delicious food. Oh, absolutely. What else did you enjoy? So, uh, everything. Uh-huh. Um, it was kind of hard. You had to come up with a game plan. I think that's probably the one thing Do. you need to know if you're going to the event. Yeah. And, and you we, need a food game plan. Yeah, yeah. And so I told some people you approach it kind of like when you go to Vegas for the buffet. Yes, you need a planogram. Yeah, so I purposely didn't eat after a certain point because I kept saying, no, I'm going to eat later. <laughs> Because I, wa- I knew that there was going to be so much food, there and I was. wanted to try it. I didn't want to come there right. kind of on a full stomach and then just right. have two people's food. There truly was an abundance of food and drink there. And no each person one had multiple yes. dishes. Yeah. No one should have left there hungry. They really shouldn't have. So, so you know, if there are 20 chefs, there are probably 60 food options at least. Easily. somebody had two and or three or four. And the portions I noticed were generous. Mm-hmm. 
and they were happy to give you a second if you liked them and people were coming back. I mean, sometimes they were a little bit shy about doing it, but some of the food was just, I need a second taste. Yeah, I just sneak in and reach the... Yeah. Yeah. So I enjoyed um, perennial favorites. So Pearl mm. Flower's been there every year, and I'm just a fan, and I love all the work she's doing. And so she had a meatball A meatball bar, bar and I didn't even have that. Ah. I had, did she have like an empanada or she did. something? I had she that did. instead. I didn't taste that. That was delicious. Was like, it? I ate that and then sent someone to go get me another one. Because <laughs> I was watching the table. So mm-hmm. I had that. Right. Um, I'm mad I didn't try the meatball bar. And I was going to when we first came in. Yeah. Like, let me take the pictures. I'm going to try this meatball. And I never got to it. Right, right. Um, I tried, who else? Cleveland Mofongo. Yes. I did Magnolia, but I don't remember what I had at Magnolia. Like, I just remember who I stopped and talked to. The banana pudding was just... I didn't have any desserts, oh and I wanted the cupcakes. Oh, the cupcakes were stunning. They were, they were gorgeous. so... I mean, right. They were just beautiful. They were almost, for me, too pretty to eat. I mean, that's why I missed them. Yes. Because I didn't want to, like, destroy this perfect-looking cupcake. Yeah, yeah. They were pretty awesome. They were. So, I didn't eat a lot. I no, ate neither a, did I. I repeated a lot. I did the um, vegan mac and cheese. Oh, and how was that? It was good. Yeah. I did the, she had something else there too. She did a vegan chicken and waffle. She did. She did. It was in a cone, which was kind of innovative. Mm-hmm. No, that was somebody else's cone. I had hers on a plate. Oh, she had You're hers on a plate? That, there was two vegans. Oh. So there was squash to beef. Yes. They had theirs in the cone. The cone, that's which right. Which I love chicken and waffles in a cone. There's right. a place, Soho oh, does it. Yes, they do. They do. But she had hers in smaller sample sizes, like okay. on the toothpick. Got it. To hold it all together. So okay. I had that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I went to places that I knew I probably wouldn't come across. So okay. knowing that, like, I know where squash to be, I can find squash to beef. Yes. I can find squash to beef. So it wasn't like I must try your food today. Okay. But if I might not see you or I don't know if you do pop-ups or how, especially mm-hmm. the caterers, I made it a point to try to try them yeah. out first. The caterers, I thought, outdid themselves. And they were wonderful in terms of the generosity and the abundance of food that they brought. Um, I love the mixologist. Mm-hmm. That was like the secret place to be. Yeah. It was a clubby, warm, intimate environment, and people just wanted to hang out there. Mm-hmm. And the mixologist, the whole way that they presented it, it looked very New York to me in terms of you go into a club or you yep. go into a bar, and people are just doing their thing. And the drinks were beautiful. They were tasty. People seemed to love them. Everybody was relaxed there. And they tended not to even want to move out of yeah, that lounge Yeah, I said it was like a space. Vegas ultra lounge for me. Yeah. You know, because you were looking over the party. Yes. People were kind of on that lounge area. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and even still, like, even though they stayed up there, it wasn't like they were just getting drunk. Like, no, they didn't no, keep no, going no. back. No, They no. were just sitting there oh, relaxing, hanging out. We're relaxing. They were greeting each other. People were really feeling good. And then they would come back and forth. I went up to visit like you did, and then I moved back down because it was crowded. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music was great. The singer, the DJ. Yeah. Tell me about, you heard so, the DJ. Yes, so the whole thing, because um, mm-hmm. we didn't have, I don't I don't remember a DJ or musicians last year. And even if they were there, like it wasn't memorable. Yeah. But it just kept the night off. It felt like a Friday night, like it, what a Friday night did. should be. And I think people were dancing. They did. I didn't I saw see. a lot of dancing. Yeah, yeah. I took uh, some video. They were dancing. Yeah, because at one point I'm like, are we here for the food or are we partying right now? Like, because <laughs> I wanted to make sure that, you know, not like, it's not my event, but you know, the chefs that were here, I didn't want it to take away from them. Right. Because there was so much riding on it for them. There was. You know, there just was. with the prize, because there's prize money, and then they have a chance of being in the queue, kind of like being discovered. Yes. And so, as people were dancing, it was just like, no, no, but keep eating food, because... They did. They did. But it, it just seemed mm-hmm. like everything 
came together. It just did. Just in a perfect It did. No, I, I was really, really excited to be there, and I went home with a smile on my face. Now, you and I talked before the mm-hmm. uh, broadcast today where you said it was nice to see the chefs sharing yeah. the food from each other as the event was winding down. They were tasting each other's mm-hmm. foods, and I didn't get to see that. I think I was upstairs. Yeah, I went over um, just to check on some of like the chefs I knew, like you know how you feeling? You know, it was your first one. Are you excited? Are you pumped? Like you know, what do you you know? They were because they were glad to be there, and some of them were so busy, like for real. You use this? We'll try my. And they were just. But at the end of the night, when the votes were cast, and there was that moment in between, they started visiting. I saw some of the chefs or the the secondary, the support people upstairs yes. checking out. So everybody seemed to have a moment to enjoy. Yeah, and and it was just. I said, it was great seeing people. It was great. Like, I can't tell you how many people I've run into that I haven't seen in years. Yeah, at that event. and you saw a lot of people. A lot of people know you. A lot of people were happy that you came there. Mm-hmm. Thank you for introducing me to so many people in your network because I now have my own little mm-hmm. new network. Uh, people couldn't have been more accommodating in terms of posing for pictures. I posted a lot of them up, and people mm-hmm. have been contacting me. Thanks so much for taking pictures because they couldn't take pictures. Absolutely. There. And so I was happy that you and I had an opportunity to do that because yep. um, people were very proud. And, you know, they are putting, you know, their thumb into it, as my mother used to like to say. They really outdid themselves in terms of bringing their A game and the food that was just meticulously presented and beautiful and artfully displayed. And I think sometimes we forget that. Because some of us may not go to parties like that because we're all just working and trying to put a meal on the table. It's nice to have someone present something so beautifully to you at an event like that where you get to taste so many different things. And I think, you know, just the, the presentation, the the thought that they took into that. They so, did. You know, like I had talked to a few people that were participating before, and that was their whole thing. Like, I'm going to make some flyers. I'm going to get new cards because yes. it seemed, and I said, everybody came to play. They did. Even if everybody didn't come to win, everybody came to, like, play. They had their, their cards out, their follow me here, make sure they you, did. Like, they they did. wanted to make sure that they stay connected with people. Yeah, um, I just followed so many people. I said, just give me your Instagram so I can start following you. Then I was able to share up the pictures for them. Yep. And that, to me, is the best testament to get out and support these businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what we're going to be unpacking on the podcast is this backstory. Who are these people? What is it they do? What is it that they came to this particular city to do? How are they doing this? Tell me more about your food experience and why are you cooking uh, macaroni and cheese and why is Capo doing his cheesesteaks as opposed to something else? You know, the barbecue experience, the fried chicken or even the fish or any of the other, the vegan entrees that are becoming more and more popular. And even the Latin American and Spanish experience because of who's living here and bringing that to the table. So that's going to be something I'm going to be very interested in following. There was one story. I want to say it was, um, was it Urban Sweetness, Vegan Vicky? Maybe. She told a story in the beginning, and I overheard her when she was telling it, and she's saying she's been vegan. She cooks vegan because she was a cancer survivor. Yes, I did hear and part so of that. And so that idea that, you know, the why you got into cooking, because many of us, have our family recipe. We make Thanksgiving meals, we make Christmas dinner, we make cookies, but we didn't take that next step to share. And so I think that's what I'm excited about the podcast is the story of why or how you started. So even with 
um, we talk about Karen Gordon or we talk about a capo. That's not what they started out to do. Like no. they didn't start out. He didn't start out with cheesecakes. Cheesecakes is ah. something separate. Um, but how they found that mm-hmm. and decided to you know to join one of the hardest industries there it is. is. It is truly is. But they do the work. Um, they sweated through it, and you saw them prepping behind the scenes. And some of what you and I talked about earlier today was the walkthrough that someone shared with mm-hmm. you about what they could anticipate. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you heard? I think, you know, what I got out of that is the prep work. And yes. so the decisions that had to be made, because everyone had to come with a team. Ah, I mean, they, they didn't have to, but could you have seen, could you have imagined no. just the one chef there? No, 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 no. Trying no. to do it by themselves? No, absolutely not. And so most people had more than, it was more than just them and someone else. Yeah. And so in years past, it might have been two people behind them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to see that they brought their crew in and that community. So, you know, some people had people still making the food while yes. two people were still at the table serving food yes. while this was happening. Yes. And so yes. um, that community of who's going to who's gonna mm-hmm. support and be able mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. And so talking to some of the chefs beforehand, they were saying, like, I know who I'm going to call for this. Got it. I'm going to call this cousin in my my normal fry guys mm-hmm. to do this piece. I want them there. Like they were making the, the decisions beforehand. This is what we need to have in play. And, and so they said, after I left the walkthrough, like I immediately went to office max to make flyers to tell mm. everybody I'm going to be here. Right. To be prepared. Right. And, and, and it, from being in the space and I'm the same kind of person. If I'm in the space, I can see how this, I can feel it. Yes. The energy like, Oh, I got to step my gate. Like this is going to be nice. Yes. And, and so that idea that, who they came with. They a lot of them had their chef jacket with their names embroidered. They, like they were did. ready. They did. And when you they see did. them in their restaurants, they often don't because you know it's their restaurant. Right. But for this event, they came out in full chef garb. You know, branded. Yeah. You know, take my business cards. Yeah. The tablescaping. You know, it was very impressive. Yeah. It was so impressively well done. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was just curated in a very beautiful way, in my opinion. People were having fun, they were smiling, they were laughing, they were eating food, and they were just, they couldn't try to, you know, couldn't wait to try the next table. Yeah. And so. And it seemed like the chefs were all happy to be there. Oh, there they was, were. They weren't like, I'm, you know, a lot of them were just happy to be part of it. They weren't, because to be j- that jam-packed and usually next to your competitors, so I might be standing next to another, like none of that mattered at that moment. I didn't sense any of that. Right. And I was, we were there for the entire event. Uh-huh. In fact, we closed it down. And mm-hmm. we saw people just converging and talking with each other and sort of comparing notes and congratulating each other about, wow, look what you made. And I loved that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved that. And that's what we want to talk more about. Right. What is it that goes into, you may not have started out making one dish, but you evolved into something else. And what does it take for you to stay in that space? Right. And just to change the way that you're cooking or responding, whether it's more plant-based or are you looking to grass-fed or what is it that people are evolving to to meet the needs of the population? And in the communities that you're doing business, I'm really excited that I'm going to be able to unpack some of that. Uh, We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with you shortly. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Part of what I loved to explore when I first moved to Cleveland were the food places, whatever food was. And I'm a huge ice cream 
fan. So I would just sort of troll the community looking for snacks and treats and, you know, what were those things that looked delicious and what are people eating? Having come from New York, where food trucks and food stands and people on the street just had all kinds of delicious food, whether it was a hot dog or a pretzel, and I didn't see that here. And when I went to this event the other night, it kind of reminded me of this abundance of a big food event or food experience, but it also took me to another space of where else are people getting food? Where are they shopping? Where aren't they shopping? What is their ability or their inability to get some of the most delicious food that Shana and I experienced the other night? Some of what I am most interested in exploring in this uh, podcast is to look at the story behind the story, if you will. People who make food are incredibly fascinating, and some of them have a talent for making the least expensive food taste the, the, just, just marvelously. Um, our ancestors, if we know some of our history, were always given whatever was left over and told just to make it work. And, you know, m- many of us may have grown up eating things like chitlins or ham hocks or collard greens and black-eyed peas and some of the things that people may still turn their noses up today. However, I grew up with those foods and not knowing any different. And I know that Many of our listeners feel the same way. When Shane and I first got together to talk about doing a podcast like this, we compared notes about our experiences with our families and family recipes, and we exchanged notes as to you know macaroni and cheese or who learned to make what and things that we only had the uh, ability to make at holidays because we're both mothers and we're busy. Um, But I wonder, as I looked around the room at the Rocket Mortgage on Monday, where did a lot of those recipes get their inspirations from? You know, that banana pudding that I experienced, it tasted like what I remembered my mother making. And I make a mean banana pudding, by the way. Hers was great. Hers was really great, and it really made me smile. But the inspiration for so much of the food and the recipes you know, it's lost. A lot of us didn't write anything down. Shana shared with me when we got together some of the things that maybe she didn't learn to make because she wasn't in the kitchen necessarily with her uh, family cooking. Um, she ate the food, but she didn't learn to prepare it. And yeah, I was just hanging out. Just hanging the family, out. With the stories. And right. But as a, a mother now with children, some of what um, she and I want to create we're having those good tastes and those good smells that were in the kitchen. I always knew when I came home from school that something good was going to be on the table. It wasn't fancy. My mother was a New York City school teacher who worked incredibly hard. And um, my sister and I did not go to school in the neighborhood. We were bust. And so when we came home, it was usually later in the day than most kids would get home between 5 and 6 because we went to school in uh, neighborhoods that weren't close to home, but there was always a hot meal on the table, and it could be beef stew, it could be macaroni and cheese, it was meatloaf, it was sometimes a big pot of soup, and when I look at some of those dishes that maybe pearl flour, she actually had the most innovative meatball bar. Well, meatballs 
Spaghetti and meatballs is just a wonderful dish. It's a staple. To me, it's a staple. It's a comfort food. And she certainly stepped it up a notch. Um, and clearly, some of the other dishes that were there had their heart and soul poured into not only the food, but into the presentation. And people were just beaming, beaming. Did you sense that, Shana? I did. I, I did and they were all proud of their stuff. Oh, my. And, and, even in the past years, there's been people that have had kind of quick serve spots that yeah you just didn't think about or mm-hmm. like this is where we get our fish dinner from. Right. And I remember talking to someone a couple of years ago, and I'm like, "What? Where are you from?" And they said it, and I'm like, "Are you for real? Like I've been to that spot. You know, I get my fish dinner, or I get my, you know, whatever. And you sit here with your torch, and you're making like <sighs> you're for real cook. Not to say that you weren't, but it just clicked because." They were really trying to show off they and show their talent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wanted to go back because you said something about how your mom cooked and to talk about what was that process for food gathering because that's a big deal for a lot of our community here. It is. is where do we get the food and how do I, you know, keep the food? So I think about a story when I was younger. Um, I grew up in Shaker Heights Beach where there was a Heinen's. Heinen's is still there. But there was an older Heinen's, like, the, and the, they had to change the Heinen's because, well, as they say, the um, the rows weren't wide because mm-hmm. people were shopping every day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, back in the day, the housewives mm-hmm. would come and pick up the dinner food. Right. So you didn't need to put shopping carts through. Ah. So the rows could be skinnier because you're just picking up, you know, your per- pork loin, a few mm-hmm. spices, mm-hmm. and that's it. Ah. And so as grocery stores have had to change because now we're shopping for a month, or two mm-hmm. weeks, or whatever that is. How do you do? Th- how do you manage that? Because, you know, my mom, we had, we were a family of five or four or whatever, and she would have to buy, and we'd have bags of groceries. Mm-hmm. Like I remember her coming home saying, "Bring the groceries in." Yes, yes. And I thought that was such a chore. Like, oh my god, all these bags of groceries. Yes. But we had a car, and so when I got older, my first apartment, I had an apartment. So the car was downstairs. The apartment was on like the ninth floor. Am I going back and forth? So, like, she bought me the rolly cart. Ah. And I just thought, like, I don't want this cart, but you best believe I started using that cart because I wasn't going back and forth with a toddler or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think I want to talk about, I mean, it's your show, but I want to talk about no. how people get their food because, you know, while the chefs are doing, you know, Cleveland has a miraculous food story. Mm-hmm. And it's just so many, it's almost like a Rubik's Cube. So we have the food story that we show off and look at East 4th Street. Then right. we have the West Side Market and, all, you know, and then we have the, the farm to table. Mm-hmm. And then we have, you know, just your everyday, how do I get my spaghetti? Oh, we just go to such and such chain grocery store and get our stuff. Contrast to food deserts right. where there's no grocery store. There may not even be a convenience store. And right. it amazed me when I moved here that so many people, because they don't have access to a grocery store, get food out of the drug mart or out of a drug store, but it is not fresh food. It's food in a box, mm-hmm. and it is frozen food, or it is food in the refrigerator case, or it's dry food, and it's not food that has any fresh element to it, which explains part of why that's available, because maybe they don't have transportation. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have transportation, you can't get to farmer's markets. One, you may not even know where the farmer's market is, or as you described to me, the one that's outside of your office you really aren't sure when it was going to be there. Right. <laughs> you just looked out the window one day. And I see him setting up, and I'm like, oh, hey, look. Right. But how do I, I want to spread the word about that one because 
I see it. I, you know, I do the weekly newsletter for a black girl on CLE. Right. But I never know when it's coming. It just showed up. And so eventually somebody's like, no, it's the third Wednesday. Okay. But how do I know that? Like, right. How are you marketing? Are you, you know, who is it for, I guess? Mm -hmm. And, you know, anybody can go, but I don't even know to bring a bag that day or. Right. And then the other piece of it, you said it surprised you that there was food left over. Mm -hmm. Well, where was that food going? Is it going right. to the food bank? Is it going to the city mission? Is it being thrown away? And that sort of transition, you know, into the food waste issue, into leftovers. How are people getting food? Are they not just grocery store food? Um, I've had the ability to grow food, so I understand the importance of it. And it, even though I live in an apartment, I have a container, a small container garden. But I have access to a car, so I'm able to go to the farmer's market. Maybe everyone can't even get there. Because as you had or shared, imagine if you didn't have a car, even if you could be, get there, how would you carry? You know, I bring out bags from the farmers market. Absolutely, absolutely, it would be very difficult, and I probably carry like you more than I should mm -hmm. because I have to. Sometimes I'm not even able to park close by to where I shop, so I've got lots of bags. But imagine then getting onto public transportation or having to walk, at or all. having to walk in 95-degree weather or in when the weather's cold here mm -hmm. or waiting on a bus or train that just doesn't come. Right. So that piece of it is something that is very, very critical mm -hmm. in this city. And so I think about the, you know, when you talked about the, the drugstore pieces, like I've picked up dinner, like, just, we'll just grab a frozen pizza, you know, those kind of things. Right. But even just, that's way lighter than a box of oranges. Yes, it is. So, yes, it you know, is. if I was if I was walking or those kind of days, the question is, it's convenient so, for so many reasons. We say convenient because you can just toss it in the oven, come back in 20 minutes. But there's another but piece of it. But there's so much more to it. It doesn't spoil. It can sit in my freezer for months. Right. Um, whereas if I buy, I don't know. Anything. Even fresh. Just, uh, potatoes. Right. You know, eventually right. they start to, to grow mm -hmm. the things and mm -hmm. you don't want the potatoes. Right. So I think, you know that story and that conversation because there's so many people that are impacted and we don't even realize it. And I think, and I'll tell this story that one day I was um, doing a feed the, the homeless kind of thing, feed the needy down at Trinity Cathedral, mm -hmm. probably like a sorority thing. I don't know how I ended up there and it was a sorority thing. And I went in and I remember, and it just is how I, how crazy I used to think before I started this journey, like how, my mindset was just like, what are these? Oh, they, these guys just wanted a lunch. And people were coming in and they're like construction uniforms or they're whatever. And I'm like, they're just stopping in for lunch. It never occurred to me that they might need the meal. Mm -hmm. But when you think about that, you know, how many people do we see on the streets and we just all assume like, yeah, you're eating, you know, you're eating horrible because you just keep eating chips. Mm -hmm. Well, they had chips money mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. you know, produce does cost more, good produce. And, you know, you may only have, you may be at the end of that paycheck and you're just eating whatever you can find. Yeah. Yeah. The more month and money or the refrigerator just is sparse. Right. Toward the end of the week. Or as you say that you're scraping change out of your, you know, couch or mm -hmm. in the bottom of your, um, you know, wherever just to get a few pennies together because you have no milk in the house. Yep. That is reality for so many people and not just in this city. I saw oh, yeah. it in New York. Um, where my father uh, was in practice in Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn. 
and it was common practice back in the day where neighbors were helping neighbors. Mm -hmm. And even in the brownstones, they had backyard gardens, but they were community gardens, and people shared the bounty. So even for the elderly or people who had young families, maybe they couldn't participate. However, they did get the share of the food. And sort of my father telling us that, you know, Mrs. Jones is sick today, but we always made sure that she had tomatoes, that she had green beans, that she had, and someone would go to the store and get things for her. And I think that that happens probably here too, because neighbors do help neighbors. And we saw that at the event where people see each other. They may not see each other frequently, but there was a camaraderie, there was a sense of love, there was a sense of fellowship, and food is what brought them all together. Right. And so that, to me, was very, very apparent. You know, me as an outsider who doesn't really know the city as intimately, but these are people like you who grew up here, Mm -hmm. who have very different but similar experiences to me in terms of their family history and growing up with women and men in some cases who did cook and prepare meals. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really am looking forward to digging deeper yes. behind what you and I experienced on Monday and talking a lot about that with the people in the city that make food happen yes, or not happen. Right. And I think, you know, you know, we say those things that are just kind of what you say, like everybody's a winner today. Mm, but I think, mm. and they said that there, you know, they no did. matter who wins, everybody's a winner. They did. And, you know, I kind of rolled my eye like, yes, we're all winners. Yeah, You know, like, because we say that. We do. But you, at the end of the day, there's a winner. There is. There is. <laughs> but it just really, after the winners, people were still okay. Like, it wasn't, everybody felt like they were. Like, I was happy to be here. I had Same. a great time from the from the chefs, not necessarily the audience. But I did a lot of the that. chefs were just like, they congratulated each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, dang, it wasn't me, but look at look at what, look at this event we just did. Yeah. And so even when you were saying about the, you know, we got to help Mr. So-and-so, I think that's part of the, somehow we've lost that who is Miss So-and-so because we just don't know who they are. Like, you know, the lady, we don't know our neighbors. We don't. And so, you know, back in the old days of the Jitney cab or mm-hmm. we all run for the groceries. Right. I'll just bring you some milk home, right. whatever. Right. By not knowing our neighbors. Mm-hmm. We, we don't know assume, who's in there alone. Like, I'm fine by myself. I'm, she should just go get her own. I see a right. car in the driveway. Well, maybe the car doesn't run. We just don't. We assume that right. everyone's okay. Right. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to the project is, mm-hmm. you know, to find out where the, the gaps are. Yes. The needs are. Yes. Maybe there are no needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also... Who's helping the solution? Because it's so easy for people that are comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and I always say they have the good job and the good life and they're doing the great things to not see it, to just assume mm-hmm. that, you know, you're just making poor choices. That's a big assumption. And most times it's not true. Right. I think it's an assumption brought on by circumstance. Mm-hmm. And each circumstance is very personal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at certain senior centers around the city, and I know a few of them, that you can get a meal there but they also do meal delivery, mm-hmm. maybe someone's not aware that they can even get that. Right. You know, they, they, they don't know that not only can they go there, they can bring the meal to you, but they need to know that there's a need. Mm-hmm. Who's telling them about right. that? We are. Or not. But if we don't know our neighbor, we know that someone lives in that house, or so we've been told, we never some see someone come in or out of there. Right. So we heard someone lives there right but the shutters are always drawn the paper may be at the door or someone occasionally Mm -hmm. may come in a car and park in the driveway but we don't see the person who lives there coming in and out 
until sometimes it's too late where the ambulance right may show up right or the undertaker right no i agree and i think so you know as we look at a few neighborhoods so from the project the, the let's talk about the, the project for a little bit before we wrap up yes with the real cleveland food experience project you know we're teaming up with wovu um from burton bell car uh, development corp which is the kinsman neighborhood pretty mm-hmm. much and edible cleveland the farm and table magazine and we're talking about food insecurity and the fact that there are food deserts, because sometimes you forget. So, you know, coming down here where we're recording, you know, like 30th and Euclid, I'm not looking for a grocery store while I'm here. So I don't think about it. Right. Right. I get in my car, I go back home, and I do my grocery shopping in my neighborhood. But there's people that live over here. Mm-hmm. But I never think about where do they grocery shop, because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get home, mm-hmm. get dinner on the table, you know, and do the, the home life. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many neighborhoods that we we drive through, like especially if you're coming from the east side, because east siders take the, the city streets more yes. than west siders. West siders take the highway. Yes. But as we come downtown, we're taking these surface roads and we're driving down Cedar, or we're driving down Kinsman or Buckeye or you know Euclid or mm-hmm. any of those streets, mm-hmm. but we're just trying to get to the game. And you know how many houses do we pass? How many housing developments? How many projects or whatever do we pass? Hundreds. How many grocery stores do you pass? Few, if any. Right. And so, you know, thinking about that story, I, I know, um, like, Dave's being on Chester now. Or Chester? Yeah. I like that Dave's. Mm-hmm. And I see it. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, a grocery store. And I'll stop in the morning. I'll get a muffin mm-hmm. or I'll get mm-hmm. a salad bar. I'll stop there on my way downtown. Before, mm-hmm. I just had to have my food. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, again, I had the luxury of saying that. And that word luxury seems like it is um, popular only because it is a true luxury when there are so many people who don't have a car. And this is not a city that has as robust a transportation system as did New York. Um, New York, you, you don't really have to own a car, especially in New York City. You can subway, you can bus. People do walk a lot more. And here, some of it is weather-related somewhat, but I don't think um, the fact that people, if they don't have a car, they can't get from one point to another. And you do have to have a car, especially as we talked about having that big grocery shop. Right. You can't carry toilet paper and dish That's detergent. The big bulk toilet paper and all Or laundry stuff. detergent or anything else, or cans. Right, and can, food. And food and everything else, and kids right. or whoever else has to come with you. Right. So I'm excited that we have this opportunity to look at our city and make it better by telling the story. And I'm very, very excited that we're going to do this in the city of Cleveland. So stay tuned, and we will uh, be joining you again in a couple of weeks. And you can listen to us on Google, Spotify, Anchor, Apple, and and on other places. And a whole bunch of places. We hope you'll tune in and join us. Thanks so much.